So happy to have you with us this week on the show. I am taking a little look this week of Independence Day here in the U.S. into how we can retain our independence now and long into the future in terms of how our health, our happiness, our longevity all come together. What is your picture of independence and how can we step into it? Thanks for joining me. So glad to have you with me today. Living in a stressful world doesn't mean you have to give up on happiness. Instead, you can shift your perspective of stress and discover how to live your life in flow. Welcome to Happified. I'm your host, Susie Vine. Join me for inspiration and interviews with folks who are shining their light in the world in the areas of positive mindset, health, and wellness. I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome back. I'm so happy to have you with us this week on the show as during this week of independence here in the U.S., I'd like to take a deeper dive into maintaining your independence, and that includes your health and your happiness as we age. So not perhaps the most engaging topic you might think, but I happen to think it's one of the most empowering things that we can do for ourselves to take a deeper look at this, to really get clear on what we want our future to look like, and then recognize that it isn't a difficult journey for us to get there if we don't put off making the change that needs to happen. So first, let's take a step back. Today, we're going to take a look at how your health and happiness contribute to your independence now and long into your future, why it matters, why it can feel so difficult. And I'm going to help you feel less overwhelmed. When we know that there is a strategy, a plan that we can start to put into place, when we can break down a big goal into doable action steps, we feel like we can get moving on this. And that's what I hope you're going to take away with you today is feeling inspired to start making one change that leads to another change that leads you to the life that you are going to enjoy stepping into. Now, first of all, let me circle back before we get too hard into this. Why does it feel hard to make these changes? Why does it feel hard to feel empowered about managing our own health? And this is something that really gets personal with me because I see people struggle and I myself, while I have been blessed with a few chronic issues that I am able to manage and live a life without limitations as I see it. Perhaps some other people might not agree with me. Perhaps they might feel that I have limitations that could be difficult. Perspective is everything, right? But we are not operating within a vacuum. It's not merely a matter of what's going on with us and how that is impacting us in our lives, what we do day to day. We are operating in a world where there's a lot of other influence. And unfortunately for us, but we get to see through this and knowledge is power. Unfortunately for us, it is not in the best interest of some very big businesses for us to be aware and tuned in to the power of the choices that we make every day. And as soon as we start reclaiming the power of our choices, we take away the power that these corporations have granted themselves through marketing, through saturating our society with ideas 
of what it means to be healthy, of what is acceptable in our health, of what is acceptable to be putting on our plates every day. As soon as we start unplugging from the matrix and recognizing how many choices we have available to ourselves and how important all of those small choices are, we start to turn the tables. And that is the beginning of an entirely new story in regard to your own health, your longevity, and the independence that I know you want to hold on to. Now, as a member of Generation X and if you're still fuzzy on that after all this time with me on the show, Gen X is roughly born between 1965 and 1980. So it's the sandwich generation. It's between the boomers and the millennials. And we were independent as children. A lot of us for the first time across our society had two working parents in the home. That was certainly the case in my house. Latchkey kids. We got home after school and kept ourselves out of trouble or kept trouble on low until the parents got home. We were pretty self-managed. We were pretty independent and we didn't like being told what to do. And I can tell you for sure that as we age, as we come into retirement, if we put the pieces in place that we get to look forward to that, that's a topic for another day. We aren't going to want to be told what to do any more then than we do now and than we did when we were little. So how do we turn the table on these business interests, right? The medical system that supports itself by keeping us plugged in, by keeping us reliant on their care for these chronic conditions. How do we not become reliant on a shopping list of pharmaceuticals when the doctors, the mainstream medical doctors who are providing our care, which is very good care in many cases, we could and should demand better in others. We have great interventive care in the U.S., but we have mainstream medical doctors who are trained in the benefits of pharmaceutical drugs because much of the funding for our medical schools today is connected with money from pharma. We need to be asking these questions. When we go to a physician and they can't answer our questions about nutrition, we need to ask why something so fundamental, something that hasn't radically changed in years, the nuances, understanding of how unique people are, but the fundamentals of nutrition we have known for a long time. If we take corporate interests out of the way, if we let that education become more mainstream, this is the foundation of health. I'll come back around to that, but these are the questions that are worth asking. And as soon as we start seeing through the system, seeing through the interests that are in place to keep us numbed out, to keep us disengaged, to keep us thinking that the world is burning, we don't have any more time, energy, or attention to put to resolving our own health issues. Actually, the opposite is true. The more attention we put to our physical well-being, our mental and emotional well-being, the more we are able to show up and support and serve our communities, the more healthy our communities are, the more healthy our states, our regions, our country is, the more able we are to support around the world. So it's time to disengage from a lot of common thought and theory and start looking at where we can make the change that matters. So stick with me. I hope that you leave today inspired to, as I said, not try to work through a shopping list of changes, but choose one thing that you can start to transform in your life so you have more bandwidth, you have more energy and attention to 
tackle other small changes that are going to add up and make a huge difference. So let's take a look at independence. Now, you might know if you've been listening to the show for a while that I've gone through several career iterations, but most recently before I got into holistic health, I was in the senior service industry, meaning that I provided services for senior clients. I was a move manager. And so I helped people move from their homes. Most of my clients were in their 80s and 90s. They were the greatest generation. These are the people who fought in and came home from World War II. And they, in most cases, were the parents of the baby boomers, right? That huge generation between the greatest generation and the Gen Xers. And they are going to transform everything as they have ever since Gerber baby formula hit the shelves, right? To feed this enormous generation. They're going to transform what it looks like to receive care as we age. And they already are. And this has its benefits. But as I notice in a lot of places where there's corporate benefit to be had, we're going to need to be on alert. So what does it look like to be independent? Now, I was as I was working with clients in their 80s and 90s, almost across the board, that move was not something they were choosing to make. They felt like they had lost their independence because of a health issue. And if not theirs, their spouses, right? Their doctor or their children declared they were not safe at home. In those fortunate situations where someone is watching acutely enough that we notice that we need more care, more support, and we move into communities here in Southern California, they're a lot like resort living, these retirement communities that are a very different picture of the nursing homes of my awareness when I was young, right? So we've come a long way, but fundamentally, we still want the same things. We want to age in place. We want to age at home. We want to live out our years in the home that we've created for ourselves and feel independent, now, in many cases, I feel like there are some drawbacks to aging in place, but we'll get into that. And there are ways that you can work around that. If this is your dream, if this is your ideal to remain in your home throughout your days, you're not alone. 90% of people express that they want to stay in their homes as long as physically possible. And pulling from some statistics that I pulled up before we started recording the show, roughly 10,000 people will be turning 65 every day for the next 20 years. This is our baby boomer generation. This is what, when I was in the senior service industry, we called the silver tsunami. Make no mistake, they are going to be making big waves in the way that care and aging looks, and we are going to be fielding this. And as I said, we want to be defining it for ourselves. Am I right? So another quote here that I find really interesting, because it really, you know, beyond where I am in my later 40s, we Gen Xers are starting to get closer to that point. What is retirement going to look like? starting to deal with health issues, right? We acknowledge and expect that in our middle age. But this surprised me. According to the Department of Health and Human Services, 14% of residents at nursing homes are between the ages of 31 and 64. So these are younger people who are requiring chronic care support to the point that they need to be in a nursing home. These are the people who don't have someone who's able to provide care at home. Many people are living with the care of their parents in homes. This isn't even scratching the surface of that. 
But this is because of this next part of the statistic. Around 40% of the adolescents in the U.S. suffer from a chronic disease and are expected to require care services at a younger age. Roughly 40% of adolescents in the U.S. are experiencing a chronic condition right now that we already know is going to demand higher levels of care. This is breaking our medical system. This is part of why our medical system is so dysfunctional. And until we start reclaiming control over what we can do to improve our health, I'm not saying disregard doctor's care. You can cure chronic disease on your own. That is not my message. My message to you is you can create an environment that fosters health so that there is so much less burden that you have to seek support from the medical care system for, right? So you see, we might not be able to heal ourselves entirely on our own, but we might, you never know. So what can we do to lay the ground, to create the environment for the best health possible so that we can age the way that we want? so that we can live the lives that we want now and long into the future. And if you are not living the life that you want now in terms of your health, your happiness, your independence, I hope that you feel moved to start making change because it's not going to get easier later. As a dear friend of mine said when I was lamenting how many things are on my agenda right now and getting to a point where I have less to do, she gently reminded me with some straight talk that we don't have less. We just get better at choosing priorities, right? Sanity, that goal of finding balance to support ourselves and do everything that we want to do. And balance is, for me, like a teeter-totter. It is not a destination. That is an impossible dream. But it comes to a point of recognizing that we have to make the choices. We have to call the shots and start placing priority on what matters and look for ways to reduce the things that don't. Because there is a lot vying for your time, your energy, and your attention right now. Here's what really matters, your health, your well-being, and that of your family and loved ones. Let's take a look. Let's start with the physical situation, the physical health, how we can support that now and long into the future. Now, I've done a podcast fairly recently, and I'll include that link in the show notes regarding the foundations of health, the most important things that you can do in terms of supporting your physical health. Any health practitioner is going to come down to quality, nourishing food. Again, unplugging from the matrix of big food interests, of subsidies, of the latest diet craze, getting down to the basics of whole foods. Eat food that has the fewest number of ingredients possible. Shop the perimeter of your grocery store. Try to keep it as natural as possible. You might have to shop a little bit more frequently in the week. Do what you can, look for CSA, farm box delivery, collaborate with other people in your community, other families, organize food prep parties or something to help it fit into your schedule because there's nothing more important than having quality nourishing food. And the more we can remove additive ingredients, preservatives, colorings, artificial flavors, all of those things matter. I'll link to that episode so you can get a little bit more information there. This isn't the space for it today, but beyond nourishing food, moving our bodies and getting quality sleep. 
exercise is so important and you don't have to be training in a CrossFit gym. You don't have to be committing to a marathon or a half marathon or a 5k, just moving your body throughout the day. We weren't designed to run marathons, although we can, we physically can. We were designed to be walking and moving through the day. Our joints stay flexible through movement. Motion is lotion. So look for ways to integrate easy movement. And as you find the ones that you enjoy, look for ways you can bring in more of those. And don't underestimate the power of sleep and having good quality rest. And I'll have that link for more resources there. Regarding your physical health, I think it's so important to have a medical team that works for you. If you don't feel heard by your doctor, if your doctor is already dismissing a couple of extra pounds or low energy or interrupted sleep or depression as a natural part of aging, then do what you can to find a better practitioner. Somebody who isn't already ready to put you in the category of midlife, of deteriorating quality of life. When I see people who are in their 80s who are dancing or in their 90s who are leading conversation groups, we see the evidence that we do not have to resign ourselves to fewer opportunities to less satisfaction and happiness as we age. What we need to do is start looking for where we can clear out what is not beneficial to us and bringing in more of what is. Having a good medical team, having a, a doctor where you feel heard in conversation, where you have the opportunity to bring your questions, perhaps you supplement your primary care physician with a naturopath, with a nutritionist, with another practitioner of holistic modalities so that you feel like you have a team, right? And you can facilitate that conversation. I like to say you can be the CEO of your medical team. And that means you have the right to fire someone if they're not doing what you need them to do. Because we need to be our own advocates in this system that is not designed to make it easy for us to advocate for our own health. Recognizing that Physical stress is a result of, as I say, through 3x last stress, the three aspects of stress, physical, emotional, and environmental. So looking at how we can clean up our homes. The EPA recognizes that indoor air quality is one of the top concerns in our health because we spend so much time indoors and our homes have become more and more airtight. Now we're seeing that pollutants, chemicals that are brought into our homes, things that make us feel safer, air quotes on that, flame retardants on furniture can cause debris and material that collects in our homes can become airborne, can interfere with our regular balance of hormones. Fragrances are on the same list. Anything that, you know, applies a pretty fragrance to your air probably is coming along with some other chemical components to help that fragrance actually stick around longer. The thing that makes scents stick is often phthalates. And these, again, can wreak havoc with your hormones. And if you know someone or if you are experiencing troubles with hormone imbalance, with diabetes, with estrogen imbalance, with thyroid imbalance, there are so many ways that we are seeing this manifest. And so I encourage you to take a look at how you can make a clean sweep in your home. Again, I'll share some links in the resources. I've got some episodes where we dive a little more deeply into that. And taking a look at where we can create a healing home haven. 
right? I think it's so important. We need to take care of ourselves. Self-care isn't only a fancy marketing opportunity. It's a lot more than bubble baths and scented candles. In fact, those scented candles and those fragrance bubble baths could be part of the problem, right? So how can we facilitate our best physical health through our environment, through what we're eating, how we're moving, and how we're getting sleep. These are so important. And so one aspect of supporting our health so that we can remain independent. And then next on the list is our emotional, our mental and emotional well-being. And on a show like Happified, I love to talk about how we can feel more positive, but I'm also never here to say that we are avoiding or trying to outmaneuver, outfox those more painful emotions. Everything has its place. Everything is an opportunity for learning. And so we want to feel happy. Feeling happy has its wonderful benefits in improving our health, our connection and community, and many other aspects of our well-being altogether. So we want to do what we can to support our happiness without the toxic positivity influence. And I'll come back around to that in just a second. And so Martin Seligman, one of the fathers of positive psychology, has created what he calls his PERMA model. And these aspects of well-being, he has identified all come together to help us have a deeper and more complete life satisfaction. And as I said, happier people or more positive people are found to live longer, have fewer health issues, and have fewer challenges, stay connected in their community, and really help in such a broad array of ways. And so his model includes feeling positive emotions, and that's not just happiness. That's not just this contrived, false smile, not being authentic, not recognizing what is good for you, what doesn't serve you, but feeling satisfaction, feeling contentment, feeling pleasure in what you're doing and feeling gratitude for what you have in your life. These positive emotions are so important. Also engagement. When we feel engaged, when we do things where we can drop into flow, maybe for you that could be activity or exercise, for someone else that could be painting, for someone else that could be reading a delicious book, cooking an amazing meal to share with friends. What is something that you really feel engaged in that you enjoy doing? Cultivating those hobbies, those pastimes, those activities is so important and can flow into some of these other areas. These are not clearly delineated columns, but all aspects of overall well-being. Relationships are so important. Your personal relationships, your family, your friends, work relationships, all of these aspects of community help us feel connected. And we are social beings. And this is one aspect where I feel like people who were determined to age in place if they were alone, or perhaps after the point at which they lost a spouse, they weren't able always to recognize how isolated they became. And it's very important for our cognitive health, for our mental clarity and acuity to stay connected, to have conversations with people, to ask questions, to answer questions, to stimulate ourselves in that way. So never underestimate the importance of relationships. And if this is somewhere where you have felt a little struggle, especially coming out of COVID times, we've been having a little trouble re-emerging. 
Many people are still working remotely. Some of us found out we were maybe a little more introverted than we thought. And being in groups isn't as comfortable as it used to be. This is somewhere where you can get support through a practitioner. They're working with a coach like myself. There are ways in which you can find resources for re-engaging in community. Don't underestimate the benefits of that, even if it's somewhere that it doesn't feel as comfortable for you as it might. Beyond that, having meaning, contributing to society, finding things that light you up, doing things, again, very similar to doing things that you feel engaged with, doing things that bring meaning to your life, really deepen your satisfaction, bring purpose, have a reason to get up in the morning and not lay in bed for an extra hour, not snooze on the alarm until you miss your exercise opportunity, right? We need these things to keep pulling us forward. And along with meaning, achievement can be very beneficial. Setting and achieving goals, if they're fitness goals, if it's being able to walk a little bit further this month than you walked last month, right? They help you build confidence. They help you recognize that you have the capacity to grow and to learn and to improve and to affirm that you can do this because if we start getting complacent now, my friends, look, we've got about as good as it's going to be. It only gets harder from here. We need to do what we can to keep our bodies in tune. We need to do what we can to keep our minds engaged and to cultivate positive emotions where we can so that we can keep things humming along, so that we can recover when other stressors, other physical situations arise and we need to support ourselves, right? So keep us, it's important to keep ourselves running at optimal so that we can be resilient when we need to recover from situations as they arise. So some ways that we can maintain our mental and emotional health. Recognizing, as I was saying before, that painful emotions aren't bad, they're not unhealthy. We don't need to avoid them. And in fact, we shouldn't. When we try to bypass those difficult emotions, or have this toxic positivity, pretending that everything is fine when it's not, that we feel happy when we don't, we're not getting to the root of what's going on. And difficult emotions are a signal that something doesn't work for us, that there's a stress that we need to address, that there's a situation that isn't healthy for us, that there is healing that needs to happen, right? Grief takes the time that it needs to take. We need to honor our needs. We can't pretend that we don't need to care for ourselves in a certain way and we can just sail back into life as usual. How can we support ourselves? As my guest on the show, and we were talking about burnout and her exceptional book that she wrote with her sister, Amelia Nagoski mentions that emotions are tunnels and we move through them. Unfortunately, we tend to feel like they're caves, they're dark, we don't know what's in there, it could be dangerous, we want to stay out. But the more you learn to navigate these difficult emotions, the more you learn that you can step into them. And then by being present with them, they lose their grip, they lose their power, they start to dissipate. The more, again, the beauty of confidence, the more you recognize you can step into them and move through them, the more confident you feel in future situations, when heavier, harder emotions might be coming up, you don't feel that reflexive instinct to pull away, to hide from it, to bottle it up. You recognize 
this is how I can support myself moving through this. This is the benefit of moving through this. I can be free of this frustration, of this guilt, of this shame, of this heartbreak, of this grief, if I sit with it for now in the way that I'm able to. And if emotions don't move through you, if you're not able to move through these times, then call on help. Look for support. Get someone in your corner to help you learn the tools and the ways that you can so you don't have to feel overwhelmed. You can get support from recognizing better nutrition needs, from somebody that helps you move your body, from therapists, of course, to help you discuss how you perceive and receive things in your mind and how you respond to them. There are so many ways that we can approach these difficult emotions and learn the tools to help them release their grip on us. Another thing that I'm a big advocate of is recognizing your stressors and recognizing where you can limit them as much as possible. Now, not all stress is bad. Stress is beneficial. It teaches us things. We learn, we grow, we again, build more confidence in what we can do and overcome. And we don't need to invite all stress that gets served up in this world. We don't need to listen to news morning, noon, and night. We don't need to say yes to everything everyone asks of us so that we don't have the time to recover and restore ourselves, right? There are ways in which we can recognize the causes of stress and become aware of how we can limit what we do not need to invite into our lives, so that we have more capacity, more resilience for the stress that life is going to serve up, for the health issue that might come up, right? If we aren't already maxed out in the stress department, we have this capacity to recover more completely, to restore ourselves, and to meet challenges more easily. Other ways that you can support your well-being is, as I already mentioned, cultivating these positive relationships, making social connections, getting engaged, having passions or hobbies, things that light you up, things that feel like play, that generate those emotions of awe and wonder that start to slow how time feels, right? Create those bookmarks of experiences that bring you some happiness in your recollection, practicing gratitude and mindfulness. They're not just one more thing that go on your to-do list, but they're actually proven in research and positive psychology to help you feel more positive more often, to help you actually raise your positivity set point. Because we can train our brains to put value on the things that bring us pleasure so that our brain does not only count the stressors and the problems, the way that it it likes to do. We can broaden the scope of our brain and we can put more importance on the things that we want to call in. So incorporating some of these mindfulness practices is beneficial in so many different ways. So as you can see, as I've woven topics back and forth, this is all a very connected topic, right? Physical well-being, emotional and mental outlook, and how they contribute to our independence. And I hope that you see where there are different ways, maybe some things stood out as you listen to the show, write that down before that escapes you so that you can call that back, so that you can come back, address this one aspect of life, and then recognize your progress 
right? So if you're keeping a gratitude journal or a logbook, if you have a calendar, you can make a note on, you can say, this is one thing I'm going to do and check on that every day for a week or four weeks and see how you feel. See if your emotions are a little easier or if your energy is a little higher. Be realistic, but don't get fatalistic. Your genes aren't your destiny. If you see illness in your parents, let that inspire you to make changes, to change the environment, to put epigenetics to work for you, recognizing that genetic predispositions for disease are a warning sign. They're not a death sentence. Because you see cancer in your family, perhaps you need to pay better attention to the quality of food that you're bringing into your life, to the health of your home environment, so that you know you are breathing the cleanest air and getting the best quality sleep that you can so your body can heal itself. How can we set the stage for health? And one other thing, as I'm here, and if you've stuck with me to the end of the show, I encourage you to take a moment now and just picture that as long as you're thinking of your life and your health as a stage, what is the future story that you want to create? What do you want to be doing 10 years, 15, 20 years, 30 years, 50 years from now? Who do you want in your life? What do you want your day to look like? What do you want to be able to be telling your children or your grandchildren or talking about over a game of cards with your friends or sharing over a delicious meal? What kind of future are you calling in for yourself? And let that clarity, let that picture be a why for you. Because as my friend, naturopathic doctor, Dr. Samantha Larkin said in her interview with me, every day is a new page in your book and you get to choose what you write on it. So what will you write in your book today? Thank you for being a part of the show. Thank you for being with me. If you know somebody who would appreciate this podcast, I hope you will pass it along to them. Take a moment to rate or review, share the word and help this show reach more people. It's really a labor of love for me. I do it because I'm passionate about sharing this message that we have so much more power in creating the life that we desire. And I want to be surrounded by a community of people who are lit up with the same passion. So thank you for joining me. Thank you for all that you do for you and the people that you love. And until next time, take good care of yourself. Thanks for joining us today. To learn more about living life with less stress and more flow, visit happifiedlife.com. Subscribe on your favorite player to catch the next episode as soon as it's out. Sharing really is caring, so please rate and review the show while you're there. And if you know someone else who would love it, please pass it along. Until next time, my friends, keep on shining.